Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a nature show host. In a native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got GEICO, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. GEICO will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. GEICO. Great service, without all the drama. Hey there, everyone, and happy, happy Wednesday to one and all. Happy Hump Day. I hope you all are having a good start to your week. This is Miller Frost, and this is the Miller Frost Show. So welcome aboard to everyone. I am here, as always, with my fake black friend, White Boy Malcolm X. And remember, if you want to get hold of me, you can shoot me an email. I don't I don't think Parlor is back up. My handle there is at Miller Frost whenever if ever they come back online, but my email is miller at millerfrostonline.com. You can reach me there, and I have a site on Locals. It is millerfrostshow.locals.com, so if you want to go over there as well and harass me there. So we have got, I think, White by Michael Max, I've got like 11 or 12 stories. I've decided on Wednesdays we are just going to cap it a little bit so we're not stretching into an hour and 15, hour and 20-minute podcast midweek. We will save that for our our Sunday shows, and we will just do a, in theory, theoretically, a shorter show on Wednesdays. And that's how we are going to roll. We're going to try that today, and we'll just see how that goes. A couple of quick news hits for you, just in case you haven't heard, and I didn't really want to waste time printing out a story and reading it. That uh, stupid idiot, I don't think you can say retarded anymore, but that moron groundhog, he saw his shadow. So I guess (laughs) if you believe in that stuff, couple, I don't know, six weeks, 12 weeks, more winter, I don't know, whatever it is there. And if you are out in the state of Oregon as of two days ago, as of Monday, it is Wednesday, right? (laughs) Just checking White Boy Malcolm X. I'm like, God, the days kind of blend in. As of last Monday, and just to remind you, we did report on that here on the Miller Frost Show. The good stuff is now in small quantities. The good stuff is now legal as of a few days ago. And if you're like, well, well, Miller, what exactly is the good stuff? Well, folks, it's Oregon. So what else would be the good stuff? Heroin, cocaine, crystal meth, Oxycontin, and psychedelics, whatever the hell those are. I'm assuming they mean like magic mushrooms or I don't know, whatever else. I don't do those sorts of things. But remember, kids, remember if you're out there and you've got the heroin, you've got the needle, you've got the spoon, you've got the lighter, you're ready to good to go. Make sure that you don't have any fentanyl because fentanyl, for some reason, they drew the line at fentanyl in Oregon, but crystal meth and heroin in small quantities are perfectly okay. And white boy Malcolm X, I was actually about to wish you, because you are fake black, I was actually about to wish you a happy Black History Month, 
but I see that you are doing your impression of Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer, and you already have your Kenty cloth on. <laughs> so you are a woke fake black person. And uh, I honor you, sir, and I honor your 28 days. And I don't know if it is my white supremacy thinking this, but I just find it rather odd that the shortest month of the year is Black History Month. And I don't know whether that is white supremacy or I don't know what that is, but uh, it's clearly racist that they didn't give the um, the capital B black folks, they did not give them, say, January or March, a good month with 31 days to celebrate. I think even the Queens, I think that Gay Pride Month is June. We get 30 days. So the Queens, the LGBTQ plus community, even the pluses get 30 days. And the black folks in the African-American community, or however you want to call it these days, they only get 28 days. Don't blame me. <laughs> I know I'm part of the conspiracy, but I'm sorry. I am a low-ranking member of, of the white supremacy conspiracy, whatever you want to call it. So anyway, let's go ahead and jump right in. This is the college fix, and here's the headline. Speaking of gay, and yes, white boy Malcolm X, gay is at the front, but folks, I'm just going to go ahead and warn you again. We do have a smoking gun story, but... It's just not enough to, to end the program with. So yet again, I have had to rely on a, actually it is a very reliable crutch, NOLA.com. Those folks in New Orleans, they are trying really hard to get annexed by Florida. <laughs> so I do have a NOLA.com story to wrap up the show. And again, it could really, you could put that story in Florida and no one would blink an eye. But anyway, here is this headline from The College Fix. Penn Dental School creates LGBTQ plus fund to identify bias in dentistry. White boy Malcolm X, holy crap. I thought my dentist was just this nice woman and apparently she has LGBT, she might have LGBTQ plus bias. So I think they're probably going to have to send in some queens with clipboards to check that out. The University of Pennsylvania School of Dental Medicine has received $50,000 for an LGBTQ plus fund, according to a January 20 news release from the university. Officials at the Ivy League University, oh, so they are fancy, they are at Ivy League school. And if you're like, Miller, why are you, why are you making fun of them? Folks, I live in Boston, so I am surrounded by Harvard douchebags. Man, I tell you what, they think the world of themselves. Those little princes and princesses and whatever you would call um, a non-binary folk of royalty. I don't know if they have White Boy Malcolm X. I don't know if they have non-binary royal titles yet. But if they did, you know what I'm talking about, folks. Anyway, they're just obnoxious. So anytime I see Ivy League school, I just kind of default. I'm sorry, it's a trigger for me. I should have done myself. i given myself a trigger warning. I did not. But anyway, officials at the Ivy League University said the fund has the goal of identifying LGBTQ plus based biases in the dental profession and ways to dispel them. An initial $50,000 leadership gift launches the fund with the goal of eventually endowing the fund to support research and programs in perpetuity. 50K, white boy Malcolm X, to get that thing off the ground. Those cheap queens. We're going to launch this, but here's the 50000 That's all you're going to get for right now. And if you if you find a lot of bias, wink, 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 I think we can probably find the funds to to make sure that you've got money flowing in for all time. So just here's 50000 You get started. Go find that bias. 
As an academic community, understanding the root of homophobia, transphobia, and bias related to actual or perceived sexual orientation, and folks, if you don't know what perceived sexual orientation is, hmm, white boy Malcolm X, seriously, you have got to stop saying Ryan Seacrest every time I ask that question, gosh. I, okay, for lack of a better person off the top of my head, sorry folks, it's Wednesday, my brain is a little fried already. So we'll roll with Ryan Seacrest. He is perceived, <laughs> according to White Boy Malcolm X, he has he is perceived to have a sexual orientation that is not straight. So anyway, that's what that is. And or gender identity requires intentional study, said the dental school's dean, Mark Wolf. The new fund will explore research and programming that can lead to best practice models and suggest policy recommendations that can have profession-wide impact through scholarly publications, according to the news release. Other projects may include training programs exploring sexual orientation and gender identity bias and offering guidance for managing difficult conversations and providing resources for education and advocacy so all Penn Dental Medicine community members, regardless of actual or perceived gender identity, and don't say Ryan Seacrest, White by Malcolm X, and sexual orientation, are supported to live authentically. And can you imagine, white boy Malcolm X, managing difficult conversations, teaching that to a dentist? So the dentist comes out of Ivy League school, the University of Pennsylvania, and they're like going to, and they got some queen in the chair, and they're like, well, I have some news, but I wanted to give you, first, I wanted to give you a trigger warning because it's not, it's not the best news. Second, well, we're going to have to, um, you have a cavity, and, and we're going to have to drill and remove that cavity. And what I want to do is be able to approach you with the equipment and not cause cause any microaggressions or cause any sort of bias when I go about getting that cavity. And the queen in the chair will be like, I tell you what, just, just drill away. Just give me the good stuff. I don't really care anymore. Just do it. Just get that damn thing out of here. <laughs> Those white pansy liberals at the University of Pennsylvania are going to be sensitive. And the queens will be like, give me that nitrous oxide and just drill, baby, drill. I don't care. Anyway, picking back up, the support for LGBT advocacy and education is not all the dental school has been up to in the past year. Uh Uh-oh, we've got more drama at the University of Pennsylvania. And you folks thought it was bad enough when they are training your doctor to be woke and to be hypersensitive about causing microaggressions or possibly being discriminatory with an LGBTQ plus person in the chair. But they have... They have been up to this before. This is not their first time at the rodeo. Last summer, the school announced a mandatory course on anti-racism for incoming dental students. And I assume if they're offering a mandatory course in anti-racism, they, folks, they are forcing them to buy Ibram X. Kendi's anti-racist book like everyone else's. That guy has got to be rich, 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 rich off of that book by now. We know that... uh, that stupid chick that wrote White Fragility, uh, Robin D'Angelo, she's making huge bank, folks. She is making enormous amounts of money selling that stuff. So I'm sure Ibram X. Kendi is doing well himself despite systemic racism. The student newspaper, The Daily Pennsylvanian, reported the online course titled The Penn State Experience. Racism, Reconciliation, and Engagement consists of six Canvas modules spanning 20 hours that focus on Penn and Philadelphia's history of structural racism. And we already know about that, folks, because those queens in the neighborhood are racist, 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 best I can say. 
Implicit Bias, Allyship, Gender Identity, and Healthcare Equity. The modules feature readings and videos from people within Penn and the Philadelphia community, and they each conclude a short assessment. The course, developed jointly by a dental school professor and a professor in the School of Social Policy and Practice, aimed to make sure students understood racism and privilege. And if it's one thing a kid cannot escape if they're in school these days, it is understanding their privilege. There were so many students who came into the school with no preparation for the conversation about race or racism, which I, quite frankly, find very hard to believe. They knew nothing about white privilege and white supremacy. Again, I don't believe that either. Social policy professor Amy Hillier said, according to the Pennsylvanian, and even if they didn't, now look what they got. Nonstop conversations about race. <laughs> She's a dentist. Now, before folks, we're going to start talking about the uh, upper molars. But before we do that, I'd like to give you uh, a 15-minute discussion about uh, race and, and white supremacy. Because I'm looking in here and I see a lot of white lab coats. And I see a lot of white faces. And I'm, I'm really upset here. I want to make sure that we're going to... And the teeth are white too. So I want to make sure that we're not taking for granted the fact that there's a lot of white supremacy and racism in, in the dental community. And apparently there's also some gay stuff in there too because they gave us $50,000 to find it. <laughs> there you go, folks. More woke. I didn't think they could do that, but they are getting more woke at the University of Pennsylvania, a snooty Ivy League school. This is from the San Francisco Chronicle. And if you folks are not hating Whitey yet, here you go. I got more stories for you. Bernie's Mittens, a lesson for San Francisco high school students in subtle white privilege. <sighs> Heavens no. Three weeks ago, I processed the Capitol insurrection with my high school students. Rallying our inquiry skills, we analyzed the images of that historic day, images of white men storming through the Capitol, fearless and with no forces to stop them. This, I said, is white supremacy. This is white privilege. It can be hard to pinpoint, but when we see it, we know it. Kind of like pornography. Yes, white boy Malcolm X, just like pornography. And I'm sure you folks have heard it, you know, whatever. Like uh, like systemic racism, it's like pornography. Hard to describe, but you know when you say it, right? <laughs> that's, that's what she's saying here. Across our Zoom screen, they affirmed with nods, thumbs up, and emojis of anger and frustration. And you know, folks, if they didn't do that, they would be in a lot of trouble. So they're just following along. Okay, teacher's on her rant again. Let's just smile and give the thumbs up and shut her up. Fast forward two weeks as we analyzed, and the writer of this, by the way, is her name is Ingrid Sayer Ochi, and Sayer Ochi is hyphenated. Fast forward two weeks as we analyzed images from the inauguration, asking again, what do we see? We saw diversity, creativity, and humanity, not that racist Donald Trump, and a nation embracing all of this and more. On the day of the inauguration, Bernie Sanders was barely on our radar. The next day, he was everywhere. What do we see, I asked again. We've been studying diversity and discrimination in the United States. That's all they study these days. My students were ready. What did they see? They saw a white man in a puffy jacket and huge mittens, distant not only in his social distancing, but in his demeanor and attire. Damn, white boy Malcolm X. This woman, this chick, is going after Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I feel bad for Bernie Sanders now. Poor Bernie. He's as woke as they get. And some chick has called him privileged. 
And you think that's bad, folks? Get ready. Buckle up. We took in the meaning of the day, the vulnerability of democracy, the power of ritual, traditions, and the peaceful transition of power. We talked about gender and the possible meanings of the attire chosen by Vice President Kamala Harris, Dr. Joe Biden, the Biden grandchildren, Michelle Obama, Amanda Gorman, and others. We referenced the female warriors inspiring these women, the colors of their educational degrees, and their monochromatic ensembles of pure power. So just like a bunch of queens, white boy Malcolm X, are sitting around going, look at those women wearing all purple. Don't they look fabulous? And there, across our news and social media feeds, was Bernie. Bernie memes, Bernie sweatshirts, endless love for Bernie. I puzzled and fumed as an individual as I strove to be my best possible teacher. What did I see? What did I think my students should see? A wealthy, incredibly well-educated, and privileged white man showing up for perhaps the most important ritual of the decade in a puffy jacket and huge mittens. I mean in no way to overstate the parallels. Senator Sanders is no white supremacist insurrectionist, but he manifests privilege, white privilege, male privilege, and class privilege in ways that my students could see and feel. I can't imagine running into her at a cocktail party. She is insufferably angry at the world. I mean, if you're going after, if you're a leftist and you are going after Bernie Sanders for white privilege, male privilege, and class privilege, man, you are like quadruple woke. (laughs) This is what, this is what they do though. They eat their own and they are going after Bernie. Yum, yum, good. When you see privilege, you know it, I told them weeks before. Yet, when they saw Senator Bernie Sanders manifesting privilege, when seemingly no one else did, I struggled to explain that disparity. I am beyond puzzled as to why so many are loving the images of Bernie and his gloves. Sweet, yes, the gloves, knit by an educator. So Bernie, oh God, Bernie is so bougie with those gloves. Not so sweet? The blindness I see of so many, Bernie included, to the privileges Bernie represents. I don't know how many poor or working class or female or struggling to be taken seriously folk who would have shown up at the inauguration of our 46th president dressed like Bernie, unless those same folks had privilege, which they don't. (laughs) I warned you folks. So Ingrid, just to tell you a little bit about Ingrid Sayer Ochi, and I hope I am pronouncing that correctly. If not, I am not doing that to be passive aggressive. I'm not that kind of queen. Is a former UC Berkeley and Mills College professor, ex-Oakland Unified School District principal, and current San Francisco Unified School District high school teacher. You smell that white boy, Malcolm X? <laughs> Very good. Yes, that is a lot of privilege right there. <laughs> this chick. This chick, yeah, let me tell you something about Ingrid. Ingrid, having been a college professor at UC Berkeley, Mills College, and is now working for the school districts in Oakland and in San Francisco. I tell you what, she is living a very, very good life, folks. I can't imagine what Ingrid's pension is and how she's going to just retire in grand lifestyle. And she's sitting here complaining about Bernie. And you know what this is? Like I said earlier, first off, these kind of woke folk, they eat their own. The second thing is, I did read an interesting article a couple months ago, and it had to do with about all this wokeness about being like the middle class targeting the upper middle class, or it's a a social tier 
you know, Mean Girls game <laughs> is what they're doing. Bernie is as down for the struggle, folks. I mean, I hate to stick up for, I hate to defend Bernie Sanders, but hell, if I've had to defend uh, Miley Cyrus and I've had to defend that stupid dope uh, ginger Prince Harry, I might as well defend Bernie. I might as well, you know, just go in and go all in on this. But, you know, Bernie is as woke as they get. <laughs> and this chick is going after him. Honey, you need to, um, you need to find a hobby or something. <laughs> And I feel bad for these kids because that's all they're learning is folks like Ingrid are just teaching them, indoctrinating them into this just to hate whitey and to hate society and to hate life, hate their life, hate everyone else's life and resent the hell out of anyone. Poor Bernie just shows up there in a stupid puffy jacket and those tacky <laughs> those tacky gloves and he's just getting reamed by this chick. <laughs> Ingrid, get a life. This is from the New York Post. And here's the headline. Chelsea actor may have used Febreze on mom's corpse before dying himself. Cops believe the actor who was found dead with his mom's body in Chelsea, and that, folks, is one of the neighborhoods in New York, lived with her decomposing corpse for several days before he also passed away, and that he used Febreze to mask the odor, law enforcement sources said Sunday. Damn white boy Malcolm X. His poor mom passed away, and five days later, her corpse was rotting at such a rapid pace that he had to go out and get Febreze to it. I didn't think corpses rotted that quickly, but not that I hang out with any corpses, but um, I guess they do. I guess you got to get a lot of Febreze if you want to amass that. William Bill Weddle, a small-time actor who appeared in movies such as It Could Happen to You with Nicolas Cage, and Woody Allen's crimes and misdemeanors likely spent about five days living with his dead mother's body inside their home at the Tate on West 23rd Street in Manhattan, police and sources said. The bodies of both Wendell, 64, and his 95-year-old mother, Agnes, were found Saturday afternoon during a wellness check. She probably just smelled like mothballs. Bottles of Febreze were found throughout the apartment. Agnes had recently been ailing, and police believe she died of natural causes. Cops also do not suspect foul play in the death of her son, whose body was found naked on a bed with scores of empty Tylenol bottles also discovered in the home. Cops had previously responded to the home several times regarding calls about Bill's drinking. So, just a tip, I guess, if you are want to live with a corpse, get some Febreze. But I don't know why, but there's just something odd about that story. So she passes away, and he doesn't bother to call the police or call anyone to report that. And then five days later, he's there naked, bunch of Febreze sitting around, bunch of empty aspirin bottles sitting around, and he's dead. And I don't know, that just like that other story in New York where the that kid just randomly attacked that other guy in, in Union Square. <laughs> and like, I'm going to kill you, you effing homo. That is just, that was a weird story. This is another weird story out of New York. I don't know what you folks in New York are doing, but God. Something's going on over there. Something is in in the water. This is a follow-up story, and this is from the post-millennial, and this has to do with that silly queen from the Lincoln Project. She's back in the news. More details about her being a big chicken hawk. 21 men accused Lincoln Project co-founder of sexual harassment, including solicitation of 14-year-old boy. Damn. John Weaver could have been a high school teacher. <laughs> I thought the youngest he was uh, trying to seduce was 19, but I guess he wanted a 14-year-old boy. And what do I... Folks, for Christmas sakes, I have been saying this 50,000 times already. Now i got to do it 50,001. 
You never, ever, 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 ever get a boy to do a man's job. <laughs> Stop it. High school teachers, Catholic priests, and now this creeper in the Lincoln Project all think 14-year-old boys are the thing to do. Not that I've ever slept with one, but having been one, I mean, ugh. <laughs> God. Man, that is sick. Sick stuff. But let's find out more about this weirdo. Now, 21 individual accusers have come forward alleging that Republican strategist and co-founder of the anti-Trump Lincoln Project organization, John Weaver, sent them sexually provocative messages, the New York Times reports. I can't believe they actually did that. The men, who were young at the time, and you can say that again, say that Weaver sent them sexually charged messages within the context of him also saying he could find them a job in politics, according to interviews with the 21 accusers. Weaver's alleged sexual solicitations included interacting with a 14-year-old boy, asking him questions about his body. A 14-year-old boy's body? That is disgusting. Then, (laughs) I don't care how cute the kid is. It's like the little, I don't know. I'm not going to say anything. Then later sending more explicit messages when he turned 18, the Times reported. Screenshots of messages from Weaver show that the solicitations were sometimes aggressive in nature, according to the Times. Weaver allegedly told one of the victims he would, quote, help you other times, give advice, counsel, help you with bills, if you help me, centrally. And I don't even want to know what that pervert <laughs> means by centrally. Cole Trickle Meal. Yes, that is his name. Trickle is the middle name was a 14-year-old when he... Oh, so this is the 14-year-old. When he first received Twitter direct messages from Weaver. Okay, so now now this makes more sense, White Boy Malcolm X, because we all know that there's a whole lot of child porn floating around on Twitter. (laughs) And not just... I suspect a lot of it's between the employees, but I guess it's not just between the employees. And this makes perfect sense if this creepy John Weaver in his 50s is texting a 14-year-old boy. It's on Twitter which seems to be a really good repository of kitty porn. At first, he said he did not see any red flags. So some strange 50-year-old... That's how dumb 14-year-olds are, folks. Hmm, oh, I guess it's okay if this 50-year-old stranger's texting me and asking me about my body. I remember being a 14-year-old kid interested in politics and being semi-starstruck by John Weaver engaging me in a conversation, said Meal, now 19. When Meal turned 18, he said the messages went from odd inquiries about his body, ugh, I don't want to know what that is, to more overtly sexual in tone. So this guy was counting down. John Weaver had a little countdown on his on his phone. Tick tock, tick tock. When's this boy turn 18? I want to come to Vegas and take you to dinner and drinks and spoil you. Double exclamation point. Weaver allegedly messaged him. Hey, my boy, resend me your stats. Or I can guess if that's easier or more fun. Another message read. Cody Brotz was a recent college graduate looking for a job in politics when he first engaged with Weaver. Brotz told Weaver in a conversation over yet again, Twitter, here we go, that he ran marathons. To that, Weaver responded, at least I know that whatever we wind up doing, you could do it multiple times in a row. (laughs) With a winking emoji. Man, John Weaver, you are smooth, buddy. You are smooth flirting with those teenagers. It just seemed like he was exploiting his power, Mr. Brault said. He was someone very important and high up in a field I want to get into, he concluded. 
Weaver's Lincoln Project colleagues said they had no knowledge of his solicitation to young men. No, no, nothing. They didn't know a thing, folks. <laughs> what? What? He was doing what? And only found out about the alleged activities this month when an American conservative article and an open letter on Twitter first brought to light the allegations. There was no awareness or insinuations of any type of inappropriate behavior when we became aware of the chatter at the time. Mr. Weaver denied the claims, Mr. Schmitz. <laughs> Mr. Schmidt is a liar, in my opinion. <laughs> God. Okay, then. The Washington ruling class has just has a thing for 14-year-old boys, teenage boys. And again, I can't say it enough, you can never get a boy to do a man's job. Well, I guess if he's not in the Lincoln Project, I guess he can go teach high school. This is from Forbes, and I'm not really going to touch on this. I just found it sad. I thought I would just uh, talk about it a little bit. Uh, this is about Dustin Diamond from Saved by the Bell. Did you know why by Malcolm X? He passed away um, the other day at 44. He did, yeah. He, um, 44, just the other day. Uh, he was diagnosed a couple weeks ago with small cell lung uh, carcinoma, and several weeks later, and... Uh, I, I mean, I know that I'm not going to make fun of him. Trust me, folks. I it just it's it's one of those things that to me just kind of hits home. I mean, I know I know that he had had a very kind of rough road. He had spent some time in jail. You know, it's just for me, it's it's sad to see someone uh, someone so young go before their time. And, and 44 is still young, as Mama Frost likes to remind me, because I'm 51. She's like, uh, 51 is so young. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, Bob, I get it, Mama Frost. But it, it, it is sad, and uh, I, I know those ageist queens out there are like, oh, God, if you're over 29 or 30, you're just, you're old. You're just, just go away. Just get out of my face. Uh, unless, of course, you are, um, you know, John Weaver. <laughs> you need a job in politics. But uh, this does actually also remind me of, because 44, I guess, is at the very tail end of Gen X, very beginning of, of the millennials. And it reminds me of, I remember when Luke, Luke Perry died, and... The article I read at the time was talking about how he was the first of the Gen Xers to have died of natural-ish causes. And I believe he had had a couple strokes and they just took him off life support. And he wasn't the first Gen Xer to die, right? I mean, you had like, uh, God, who was it from Nirvana? Kirk, Kirk Cobain. You had uh, River Phoenix's overdose. You had like non-natural deaths in, in Gen X. But, you know, he, uh, Luke Perry, when he passed, was kind of like the the wake-up call to folks in our generation, mine and white boy Malcolm X's generation, that, you know, like I always say, you know, we, you have fewer days ahead than than you do behind. It does remind me of my own mortality when something like this happens. And it's, it's a shame. As, as Mama Frost likes to say, you know, I always wake up with an attitude uh, of gratitude because any one of us, including Dustin Diamond, unfortunately, can wake up one day and get news like this that... Your runway ahead of you has just gotten significantly shorter, and it is very sad that he has passed. And uh, rest in peace, Dustin, from us at the Miller Frost Show. So this is my smoking gun story, and uh, well, yeah, it was kind of down, but I mean, it's my. I always like to do like one serious ish story, and that was it. I don't know. I just saw that, and like I said, I was not a big Say by the Bell fan. I watched maybe a handful of episodes, one, two, three. I, I don't even remember. Um, not enough to, <laughs> didn't think it was good enough to watch. Didn't watch the reboot. And I guess there's a second reboot on top of that. I didn't watch that one either. But uh, no, when I see stuff like that, it just kind of, I don't know, it hits me. It's one of those things. It's like, oh crap, time is running out. But the smoking gun story, folks, like I said, this is, it's okay, but it's not. I'm not wrapping the podcast up with it. And here's the headline. Drug suspect claimed heroin was laxative. And if he had only been in Oregon, this would have been just fine. But where was he? He was in Florida, which probably is just a misdemeanor anyway. But let's find out more. 
an ex-con facing a felony nar- Felony? Whoa, white boy Malcolm X. Holy crap. They're not messing around in Florida. I guess I've been making too much fun of them. They're like, we're going to show that Miller Frost. We're going we're gonna to book people on felonies. We don't care anymore. We're going to block their asses in jail. <laughs> Oops, sorry, Mr. Felon. An ex-con facing a felony narcotics collar insisted to Florida police that the substance he was found in possession of was not heroin, but rather a chocolate laxative, hmm, according to an arrest report. Stephen Copeland, 29, he could be, he could be just like my ex-white boy back up, be like, that's not my meth pipe. <laughs> that's, that's not heroin, that's just um, a chocolate laxative, I'm all stopped up. <laughs> Stephen Copeland, 29, was driving near his home in Crestview Saturday afternoon when he was pulled over for an expired vehicle registration. And folks, this is where all these types of stories start, because you didn't pay your stupid vehicle registration and get pulled over by the popo, and then you wind up in jail because they find all sorts of fun in your car. A subsequent search of the auto turned up assorted drug paraphernalia, Oxycontin pills, and a plastic bag with methamphetamine residue. That's the good stuff, crystal meth. Cops also discovered 26 grams of heroin under the driver's seat and one gram on the passenger side floorboard, according to the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office report. Copeland, however, denied he was holding heroin, instead claiming that the substance was a chocolate laxative, a la X-lax. Copeland did not offer an explanation as to why some of the purported laxative was stashed under his seat. Because it's Florida. <laughs> Where else do you put your laxative? And for you folks that don't know... Here's a little info on the heroin. Due to its color and texture, black tar heroin can sometimes resemble dark chocolate or fudge. Hmm, I did not know that, but then again, I have never done heroin. Arrested on multiple felony drug charges. Holy crap, they are throwing the book at Stephen Copeland 29. Stephen, you are in a lot of trouble, sir. Copeland was booked into the county jail where he is being held on $15,000 bond. Copeland's rap sheet includes convictions for grand theft, heroin possession, so it's not his first time at the rodeo, probation violation, and methamphetamine possession. He was sentenced in May 2019 to 18 months in prison on the theft and drug charges, and he was released from state custody last May, and he's going back into state custody. (laughs) Okay, then. Don't. First of all, don't do the heroin, and if you do it, don't stick it under your car seat. And pay your stupid taxes. <laughs> this is from the College Fix. And if you're like, just you're just there. like I'm, You're almost to the edge. And I could just give you a little bit more of a nudge. And then you'll totally hate white. <laughs> you're like, I don't, I don't know, Miller. I'm, I kind of dislike them intensely right now. But I, I don't know if I can really hate them yet. Well, here you go. I got another story for you. And um, I think I can push a couple more of you over the edge. Which is what they want anyway. Professor to give talk on demilitarizing whiteness so white people can become human. The narratives springing forth about the U.S. Capitol riot on January 6th are becoming more and more inventive. You can say that again. We've seen claims that the riot's participants were full of white rage, emboldened by the addictive power of white supremacy, and at least one academic blamed white America across the board for the insurrection. Well, we know about uh, what well, we know about white women. We know about whites in the LGBTQ plus community. We know they're a bunch of systemic racists. And of course, <laughs> I mean, heterosexual white men, that's just that's a given. So yes, I can actually totally see all of this. I can totally agree with all of this, I guess. 
But Tuesday afternoon, an education professor from Middlebury College is taking the rhetorical blame up a notch, if that is even possible. In a virtual lecture, Jonathan Miller Lane, and Miller Lane is hyphenated. And I don't know what it is, folks, just as a random aside, I don't know what it is with all these leftists having <laughs> hyphenated names. I guess mommy and daddy couldn't agree on a last name, so they went with, or mommy and mommy, or daddy and daddy, or you know, non-binary and non-binary, or whatever genders your folks are. No offense if I didn't, uh, if I didn't properly credit your folks with the correct gender. But, you know, with these hyphenated last names, all these people all wind up being leftist college professors and as angry as they can be, like you went over and shot their dog. That's how angry these folks are. And just the rage within them. So every time I read a hyphenated name, I'm like, crap, here we go again with the anger. Anyway, picking that back up. In a virtual lecture, Jonathan Miller Lane will discuss the opportunity to facilitate the demilitarization of white bodies. According to the event description, the evidence that whiteness is always weaponized is omnipresent, exemplified by the 2017 Charlottesville riot, the Capitol mob, or even the infamous dog-walking woman in New York City's Central Park who threatened to call the police on a Blackbird watcher. In order to make any progress towards establishing and sustaining a genuinely representative democracy in the United States, whiteness must be demilitarized so that bodies designated as white, not you, white boy Malcolm X, you are designated as fake black, so you're good, might become human. Paradoxically, Middlebury College, an institution founded to embrace the value of unencumbered study, is especially well-placed to offer space to make progress in this essential effort for democracy's evolution. But to do so, we will have to remove humans from the center of our inquiries in favor of what Robin Wall Kimmerer calls a grammar of animacy that places humans among, rather than atop, Earth's life forms. And I literally just had an article on Sunday's podcast. Remember when PETA, well, just a recap, PETA was like telling people not to call other people pigs or not to call them sloths or God knows what other stupid names, anything after an animal. And it was because that was specious. Right. And it was about human supremacy over the animals. And it was just rude. And I warned you folks because they were like, yeah, well, we we always get away. Right. We, do you see anything about fur anymore? No, because they got it their way. And so I'm like, I warned you folks, they're going to keep trying. They're going to keep trying until you're not allowed to call someone a pig or anything like that or a snake or anything else. And, and they're going to get their way on this again. And. You know, you have been warned that uh, they're going to keep up with this. And now with this article, we have got to place humans alongside and not atop Earth's life form. So it's not just those idiots at PETA. Regarding the grammar of animacy, and here's a little bit more details on that, it helps break down the separation from the natural world that has plagued Western civilization, they mean white, for centuries, even millennia. Not only are plants and animals considered animate, but so are rocks mountains, water, fire, and places. All are beings that have spirit and our interactions with them must therefore be seen as relationships, not simply as resources to be exploited and used. According to his Middlebury webpage, Miller Lane teaches courses such as Education in America and Social Justice and Evolutionary Spirituality. The latter makes use of the book Radical Dharma, the co-author of which is a professor from Vassar, who likewise will soon be giving a lecture on whiteness, in this case, surviving white supremacy. Is there any, is there any college professor not talking about white supremacy? Because I'd like to see it. Even the dental school over at the University of Pennsylvania is talking about whiteness in some capacity. 
Well, I hope, I'm just going to say one thing. I hope Jonathan Miller Lane is making the Ibram X. Kendi book required reading for whatever stupid program he's on. Because if, he, if folks are not reading Ibram X. Kendi in this class, he is just a fake, second-rate, fake justice social warrior. You, that, that's all you are, folks, without Ibram X. Kendi in your reading materials. I'm just giving this guy cheap plug after cheap plug after cheap plug. This is from Pink News. And how's this headline? Trans influencer Nikita Dragun. White Boy Malcolm X, have you heard of trans influencer Nikita Dragun? I have not either. I have no idea who this, I don't want to say chick, guy. I don't know. I don't know what the gender is there. But this person, they, I'll just use they, it's a good default. I don't know who this trans influencer, I don't even know what you do as a trans influencer. But anyway. Trans influencer Nikita Dragoon faces fierce backlash, no doubt from transphobes, for breaking COVID rules with huge, massless birthday party. White Boy Malcolm X, can COVID Karen be transphobic? You think so? Well, probably. Yeah, I can probably. <laughs> I mean, if you just give one of them the wrong look, you're transphobic. So I guess if you're tattletaling or making criticisms about them for breaking COVID rules. I guess even COVID Karen is not uh, superior. She does not outrank transgender status. Hmm. Let's find out more about Nikita Dragoon. On 31 January, Thomas Petru, a member of the TikTok collective Hype House LA, uploaded a YouTube video in which he and other members of the house attended Dragoon's birthday party. So white boy Macamax, this, this is very fresh news. I can even smell it. Everyone in the city of Los Angeles is under a strict stay-at-home order, except for essential activities and exercise and private gatherings that include more than three different households are prohibited. And I don't know about, about you folks, but, you know, I'm pretty woke, as, as all of us can agree here uh, on the Miller Frost Show. I'm pretty woke. And I, for me, I don't know what could be a more essential activity than celebrating the birthday of someone who is transgender. They are pretty high up on the pecking order, folks. And if you... If you don't agree with that, you are a vicious transphobe and we're going to come get you. The clip was shared on social media. Fans were quick to call out the influencer, who I still don't know how she influences or he influences or they influence, who has, that was a good save, who has 9 million Instagram followers and 3.7 million YouTube subscribers for flouting coronavirus restrictions. One wrote, if my little cousins understand that we're in a pandemic and that we're not only responsible for our health, but also the health of those we live with and others, then I don't understand at all why these people can't understand that. This is plain selfish, arrogance, ignorance. And another wrote, Nikita Dragoon, happy birthday. Hope you enjoyed the gift of people dying. <laughs> That's got to be a catty queen. That is a gay COVID Karen if there ever was one. I can spot those people a mile away. You people are just nasty transphobes. Go to hell. Don't pick on Nikita Dragoon. She is a very important trans influencer. How dare you? Is that, is that woke enough? <laughs> Get me out of a little bit of trouble. The trans community, they hate me anyway. So, you know, dial it back a little bit just to show how woke I am. Anyway, picking back. Oh, God. Less than a month ago, Dragoon was also called out. So Nikita is quite the mischief maker. Was called out for parting massless on New Year's Eve. Dragoon flew to Miami just to celebrate while Los Angeles was still under stay-at-home orders and was caught on video by a friend. Now that is quite the friend. In the video, she is heard saying, 
everyone's going to yell at me because I'm not wearing a mask. Not everyone, Nikita, just vicious transforms. <laughs> there you go. I don't know what uh, he, she, they influence, but whatever. <laughs> Drama on social media. Oh, she's partying without a mask. God, you people need to get a life. Get a life. Don't pick on the transgender. Rude. Jenna Jameson claims Marilyn Manson fantasized about burning her alive. And if you are a millennial and you're like, Jenna Jameson, who the hell the hell is that? Marilyn Manson, who are all these old folks I don't know? <laughs> we'll find out. We'll Just calm down. We'll, we'll get that for you. No trigger warning needed, I don't think. Former porn star Jenna Jameson. So yes, folks, she is a former porn star. She looks it from this picture. Look at this white boy. <laughs> Rough. (laughs) That plastic surgery is not helping, honey. Has revealed that she dumped accused abuser Marilyn Manson because he bit her during sex and fantasized about burning her alive. And he reminds me, white by Malcolm X, of that creepy weirdo we reported on a few weeks ago, Army Hammer. (laughs) No, I'm not going to say, Timothy Chalamet. (laughs) Okay, maybe just once, but... Yes, he reminds me of him. So I don't know what it is with you celebrity men out there in, in Hollywood are doing with the ladies these days. But, you know, in, back in the old days, you would like, you know, here's some flowers and, and a dinner or, you know, a movie and, you know, cook in or, you know, foot massage. I don't know, whatever straight men do with women, you know, but nicely, right? You do th- nice things for you. You go out shopping with them because it makes them happy. You go for walks with them. You know, whatever women like to do, go get a coffee, go get your iced coffee if you're a millennial. Things like that, but you know, nowadays it's like they want to eat you and bite you and all sorts of weird crap. So you men in Hollywood are just all sorts of weird and nutty. Anyway, picking back up, Jameson, 46, she is 46 years old, white boy Malcolm X, told DailyMail.com about her odd fling in 1997 with the shock rocker who was dropped by his record label Monday as a slew of execs accused him of years of abuse. And this reminds me, Putting Army Hammer aside, folks, so he's already just like Army Hammer and then he likes to do weird crap with women, which is just, I don't understand it, not my scene, whatever. But, you know, now, now I am suddenly being reminded of Anthony Rapp. <laughs> so, and if you folks don't, like, who the hell is Anthony Rapp, Miller? First of all, folks, you are a homophobe if you don't know who Anthony Rapp is. But he is on, or was on, Star Trek Discovery, which is the gayest show on television. They have more gay and trans and bi and all sorts of people on there. The whole ship is gay. There are a couple straight people that are down in the cargo hold. But now, Jenna Jameson is turning into the Anthony Rapp of porn. Because what did Anthony Rapp do? He waited for decades and decades and decades. And then tattletailed on Kevin Spacey for making a move on him when Kevin was like, I don't know, in his early 20s, mid-20s, and then what's his name, Anthony Rapp, was like 14 or 15, another creeper into 14-year-old boys. But beside the point, Jenna Jameson, 23 years later, is tattletailing on Marilyn Manson. Oh yeah, last century he nibbled on me a couple times. (laughs) Hey, great timing, Jenna. Great, maybe maybe she's been so screwed. Her brain has been screwed so much. She's probably just getting around to, oh, now I remember. That's <laughs> what happens when you are a porn star. You just kind of remember things a couple decades later. Anyway, picking back up. We didn't go out long because I cut it off after he would nonchalantly say he fantasized about burning me alive, she told the outlet. Once he started speaking to me violently, I was like, goodbye, Brian, she said, using the 52-year-old rocker's real name, Brian Warner. 
He's 52, White Boom Max. Damn, he is a rough, rough 52. If I ever feel bad about myself, I'm just going to go look at a picture of him. Also, the bruises from him biting me weren't fun, she said, adding, sexually, he liked to bite, and it was disconcerting. He is a lot to say the least, she told the male. And I am, I am done with this. For Christmas sakes, Jenna, it was Marilyn Manson. And if you folks, if you have ever seen a picture of Marilyn Manson, he screams weird and psychotic. <laughs> I mean, nothing about this guy says normal. And she's going out with him. Oh, he bites. I'm so shocked. I'm I'm taken aback. <laughs> That's his shtick. He's a he's a freak of nature. And I I am I would be surprised if he was not a freak of nature in bed as well. Not that I would ever want to. I would rather sleep with her than him. <laughs> Ugh, I'm getting just going to throw up in my mouth thinking about either of those. This is from Outspoken. Man, that was a rant. Anyway, this is from Outspoken, and here's the headline. Human Rights Campaign, which, folks, is my favorite, favorite gay rights organization, makes Black History Month all about them. And Outspoken, again, to remind you folks, is one of my favorite, I think it is my favorite, conservative-ish gay blog news websites, whatever. So let's find out what's going on with HRC. February's Black History Month usually means studying historical figures such as Tubman, Frederick Douglass, Jackie Robinson, and Martin Luther King Jr. But the Human Rights Campaign, the nation's largest LGBT political nonprofit, in other words, folks, a professional gay organization, believes it's time to forget all that boring old stuff to instead focus on sex and Nazis. Uh-oh. In a press release sent out Monday titled Human Rights Campaign, President Alfonso David calls for more cross-movement collaboration at the beginning of Black History Month. The bloated nonprofit dashed the rich history of Black American culture, usually honored this time of year, yes folks we know, for only 28 days, to promote trendy conspiracy theories about legions of mythical white supremacists operating in the U.S., the deadly police shootings of black people, and capital B black people, folks, so you know they're shooting real black people, and the interesting number of black transgender women being violently killed in the United States, in contrast with the pro-Trump insurrection, makes something clear that we black queer people have long known. And yes, folks, Alfonso Davis is black and he is gay. An inclusive, equitable, multiracial democracy is not guaranteed, the statement said. I invited all of us to work across movements to innovate strategies that will help make sure we remain united in the fight for full equality, David wrote. A nation that stands back and stands by as black people are brutalized and cast into prisons and graves. Holy crap, white boy Malcolm X. Alfonso David is a drama queen from hell. While white supremacist forces gain a foothold in our government is aimed for a future antithetical to our most treasured values, the hysterical press release reads. And no, folks, I did not put the word hysterical in. Outspoken did. And he is. He's a hysterical drama queen. Man. Critics say organizations such as the... And no doubt, folks, these are just homophobic bigots. Critics say organizations such as the HRC long ago abandoned their stated mission as gay rights groups to become a sort of intermediary between global corporations and the Democratic Party, one with a radical far-left worldview. No kidding. Recent salary data indicates David pulls in around a half million dollars a year heading up the HRC. What's the, what's the phrase, White by Malcolm X? They came to do good and they've done very well indeed. This queen for heading up a nonprofit pulls in a half million K a year. 
And this thing, uh, the uh, Human Rights Campaign has a total annual revenue of $48.9 million and net assets of around $13.2 million, according to Nonprofit Light. David's predecessor, Chad Griffin, made $522,428 in annual salary, also according to Nonprofit Light. And that is the professional gay class for you folks. And as an aside, you know, Chad Griffin, that queen is white. Capital W White. And they paid him more than this poor black guy, Alfonso David. So there is even white supremacy, folks, in his own house. So if he is going to complain about white supremacy, he better he better check his own house first. <laughs> Reminds me, and I think I told that story about the uh, going to that Trevor Project uh, shindig in L.A. many years ago. And I'll tell you what, that's where I learned firsthand about the professional gay class and about coming to do good and doing very well indeed. And those queens, woof, you know, that uh, professional, that cocktail swishing, uh, swirling class of uh, professional gays, they, they make bank in those groups. They, they pull in the money. They run around and send out those mailers and cry victim all the time. Oh, send us some money or the, those evil Republicans, those white supremacists, it's going to come and get us. And these idiots just writing checks, writing checks, writing checks. And there you're going, Let's pay these guys a half million dollars a year to run our, our clown show. <laughs> there you go, folks. Another rich queen complaining about white supremacy. Yeah, I can see that, Alfonso. I can totally see white supremacy hurting. Well, I guess so, because he's making less than the white guy before him. This is an interesting, uh, it's a movie review. And my God, folks, this thing goes on for like five pages, but I just thought it was funny. I'm just going to read a little bit of it because it just kind of reminds me of uh, living in Boston and it reminds me of living in Chicago. And this is from The Ringer. And here's the headline. The cult sports movie that tackled the underbelly of fandom. Big fan, and that's the name of the movie, Robert Siegel and Patton Oswalt's Ode to a Sad New York Giants fan from Staten Island is the best sports movie that's not about sports ever made. Initially titled Paul Alfiero, the script centered on a 35-year-old Staten Island man who lives for the New York Giants and with his mother, (laughs) of course. He's a 35-year-old man. He's a millennial. Of course he lives with his mother. Which of them don't? He sleeps on a bed covered in NFL team sheets. Can you picture this, folks? I can actually picture this. I believe every word of this. This could be any millennial. Just just pick one and boom, that's them. A poster of his favorite player, Quintrell Bishop, hangs on the wall of his bedroom. He spends too much of his time both listening and calling into a radio show hosted by the Sports Dog. Apparently he doesn't play video games, though. That that is odd there, folks. I will admit that. He bleeds blue but doesn't have anything else in his life. His allegiance and entire existence is tested, however, when Bishop nearly beats him to death in a strip club. There are plenty of movies about the underbelly of sports, but only a few about the underbelly of sports fandom. Siegel's screenplay explored what can happen when obsession overtakes identity. Uncoincidentally, Paul's very first line of dialogue, part of a rant to the sports dog, is, I can't tell you how sick I am, dot, dot, dot. And I just found this article very interesting. I, I didn't read the full review. I actually kind of want to see the movie because it just reminds me, I, I think I've told you folks this before, I've lived in Chicago Twice in my life. And the second time I lived right downtown. I lived right off uh, Miracle Mile. Yes, the fancy. <laughs> I put Michael Max fancy. Yes, the fancy part of uh, of downtown Chicago. And, you know, you go out to bars there. And that's kind of where I got. I mean, when I lived there in the late 90s, I could see it there as well. But it really, I would go out to bars. And if you ever go out to a bar in Chicago, if you can ever allowed to do that again, 
and and it's tuned to ESPN and there's any sort of game on, what you always get in Chicago is just these guys that just go up and start screaming at the television at the top of their lungs. I'm sitting at a bar and these people will be like, there's the TV right in front of you, right? And these guys behind you just screaming at the television. <laughs> it's like, come on. Why are you getting so freaking excited? It's a game. Who cares, right? The hockey game, the basketball game, the baseball game, the football game. They don't care. They're screaming anything. And Boston's the same way. And when I lived in downtown Boston, I lived right by TD Garden. And so right down there, at the time, pre-COVID, there were tons of bars down there. And you go out, you but you never could go out on a, whenever like the, you know, any of the sports teams were hosting down there because you would see all these kind of tragic, this is what reminded me of it. You've got in this movie, you've got this guy, he's 35 years old, he runs around with his jerseys on. And that's all you have in downtown Boston when they say the, uh, you know, the Celtics are playing or the, the Bruins are playing. You've got these guys in the 30s and 40s and 50s. These, and they're always obese for some reason. These guys are all morbidly obese and they have these jerseys on of these like, you know, these basketball players and these hockey players and there's waddling around outside of TD Garden, going to the bar to get drunk and stuff their face. And I just, that's what made me think of this is these dopes in Chicago screaming at a stupid television over a stupid game. And then these guys, you know, running around in these jerseys like, the, you know, in the triple XL size. So I, you know, it's not my thing. I understand some guys like are really into sports and then it just looks like, okay, you need to get a, an, a hobby, <laughs> you know, other than, you know, worshiping your local sports team. So if, folks, when I eventually see this film, I will let you know how it is, but it just seems interesting. And there, that's just my little tidbit on, on that, which brings us to our last story of the podcast. And again, it is not smoking gun, but it is from NOLA.com. Because like I said earlier, those folks from New Orleans want to get annexed by Florida. They want New Orleans, Florida, not New Orleans, Louisiana. And here's the headline. $75,000 bond set for Metairie man accused of beating his mother with dumbbell. And yes, folks, we are going back to Metairie, Louisiana, because those folks are a freaking train wreck one and all. <laughs> as far as any of them are still left, I figured they'd all be in jail by now with the, um, with the news articles that we've been reading. A Metairie man accused of using a three-pound dumbbell to beat his 87-year-old mother. Holy crap, white boy Malcolm X. This dope gets a three-pound dumbbell and beats his mama, his 87 poor woman, told law enforcement officers she was injured in a fall, authorities said. <laughs> Raymond Felder, 64. So this guy's 64 years old, goes over, gets the three-pound weights, and starts beating on his mama appeared Wednesday in Jefferson Parish Magistrate Court, where a judge set his bond at $75,000 on a charge of aggravated second-degree battery. And if you don't know, folks, because I was like, why only second-degree battery? Second-degree battery, folks, is the worst of the battery. So if you get regular battery, that's bad. But if you get aggravated second-degree battery, that is the height, height of battery in the state of Louisiana. You learn something new every day, and that's what I learned. Sheriff's deputies arrested Felder on Saturday night after investigating a report of a woman who had been attacked at a home in the 7400 block of Ivy Street in Metairie. And again, you folks in Metairie, just stop. Take a week off. The folks in Florida can pick those. <laughs> Take a break. Take a break. The victim, Felder's mother, told deputies she and her son had been arguing when he grabbed a three-pound dumbbell and hit her several times in the head, Assistant District Attorney Tanya Williams said. The woman lost consciousness during the attack, and her daughter called 911 for help. Inside the residence, deputies found a broken dumbbell, which was made of concrete encased in plastic. 
Authorities did not say why the two were arguing. When questioned by deputies, Felder said his mother fell while walking into a room, Williams said. He told authorities his mother smashed his hand with something, the three-pound weight when he was trying to beat her, when he ran over and tried to help, Williams recounted for the court. In addition to setting bond, Criminal Commissioner Patricia Joyce issued a stay-away order banning Felder from contact with his mother. Probably wanted to keep that 10-pound weight away from her. Felder was being held Thursday at the Paris Jail in Grand Rapids. <laughs> so they're arguing. He gets a three-pound weight, starts whacking her in the head, and the sister runs and called 911. <laughs> my brother is hitting my mother with three-pound weight. You better go over here. Popo run over there and get him. And he's like, oh, she just kind of fell. I don't, I don't know what happened. <laughs> and I don't know how that weight got broken either. And I don't know how her head got smashed. You know, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I tell you what, folks. I don't even give Mama Frost a dirty look. <laughs> Much less threaten her with violence. That woman would kick my ass anyway. I'm not screwing with Mama Frost. That woman don't play. Well, on that note, a 60-something-year-old man beating his 87-year-old mother with a three-pound weight. <laughs> God. You people in Metairie are are nuts. I guess that is going to be it for today. Thank you all so much for stopping by the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost. Remember, again, that you can reach me at miller at millerfrostonline.com. I am here with my Kenty cloth wearing fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. He was just celebrating Black History Month. We will be back here again on, I'm assuming we're back on Sunday, if we don't kill ourselves. Are you going with me on Friday? Okay, I, I figured you would, but we are we are going to go snowboarding for the first time this season up in New Hampshire. We can sneak into New Hampshire. Vermont is being a bit of a sourpuss in letting people into the state and onto the slopes quickly. If you go up there, even if you are negative, you still have to quarantine. Or That was the case last I checked, but New Hampshire, <laughs> anything goes in New Hampshire. It's just like, like I said, it's the Florida of New England. You can go in, you can go out, you can you know bleed COVID everywhere. <laughs> and uh, they're like, we don't care. Live free or die, man. Live free or die. We're going to go up and tackle a slope on Friday. So if we don't have a podcast on Sunday, it means I had a horrible date with the tree. But, you know, we'll we'll report back on that hopefully on Sunday. But thanks so much again for coming by and seeing us. Have a great rest of your week and start to your weekend. And we will see you back here again soon. Take care. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 